The sermon you are about to hear was given at Pillar Bible Fellowship in Hood River, Oregon. Pillar Bible Fellowship exists to glorify God by knowing Christ more fully and making Christ more fully known. Email any comments or questions about the sermon to feedback at pillarhoodriver.org. You can find more information about Pillar Bible Fellowship online at www.pillarhoodriver.org. Please enjoy the podcast. Go ahead and take a seat. Grab your Bibles and open up to Genesis 11. And I'm going to pray one more time. Ask God to bless our time together in his word. So if you'll join me in that. And Father, we do thank you for the gift of your word. It is truth. We can trust it. We can conform our lives to it. We can build our lives upon it. And we thank you for the gift of your spirit that helps us to know the truth, your spirit that takes your truth and applies it to our lives. And we do pray that your spirit would be at work among us this morning. If we simply read these words, if we simply listen to a sermon but your spirit is not present in any of that. It's all in vain. It's worthless, perhaps even damaging, doling our hearing and searing our consciences, and that is not what we desire. We want to hear from you. We want to respond to you. And so we pray that you would work this morning through your word, by the power of your spirit, for our good, for your glory. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So Genesis 11, we have, surprise, another genealogy, right? We have been working our way through plenty of names, As we get to Genesis 11 and verse 27, we are actually starting to turn a page in the book of Genesis. We're entering into a new section in this book. So in the first 11 chapters of Genesis, we have covered a lot of history. We've covered a great span of time all the way from creation, the fall, the flood, and then the dispersion of the nations, the confusion of languages at the Tower of Babel that we studied last week. And so this great span of time in 11 chapters, and now we get to chapter 11, verse 27, And we're going to slow way down. Moses, in writing, slows way down. From chapter 11, verse 27, into Genesis chapter 25, he begins to focus on one man, one lifetime. So in 11 chapters, we've covered so much ground, and now from this point 
to chapter 25, we're looking at one man and his life. And that man's name is Abram. Later, his name will be changed to Abraham. So we'll deal with that when we get there. I may even refer to him as both this morning, but that's really inconsequential. Abram or Abraham. The fact that Moses spends so much time looking at this one man should tell us a great deal about the significance of this one man and the significance of his life. It is through this man that God will build a nation and then eventually through this man that the Redeemer would come to save humanity. Well, as I think about Abram and I think about the passage that we're looking at this morning and in studying it and just allowing it to soak in and meditate on it, I have to think about the Christian life and the various stages in the Christian life. And so I want to start with with just a few questions this morning. The first question is that, are there days in your life, in your Christian life, when the mountains just seem like they are way too tall? When the obstacles are far too complicated? When the trials are too difficult? Are there days like that? Maybe in your Christian life, You think about your growth and your maturity, that is, your sanctification, and you think, it's so slow. I desire to grow in my faith, in my walk with the Lord, but oh, it just seems agonizingly slow. You want to be closer to the Lord, you want to be stronger in your faith, And you know you're getting there. It's just taking a long time. Well, it's my hope for you that the life of Abram would be a great encouragement to you. Because God took time in Abram's life. Abram's growth, Abram's sanctification took place over years and years. Maybe this morning you're here and you're not a Christian. Maybe you are still an unbeliever. Maybe you're on the outside looking in. And, and as you look in, you think, well, there's something attractive, something appealing about this Christianity. But that first step, it just seems too big. That first step seems too long. Because I know who I am. I I know what I'm like, and I can't believe that God would want anything to do with, with me. I know the things that I have done. I know the thoughts that I think. I have all of this baggage, and, and I want to be freed from it, but I don't know how. The life of Abram, let me tell you, and what we're going to see this morning should be a great encouragement to you as God calls Abram and brings him in. 
And the, the last scenario I want to present to you this morning is that if you're a mature Christian, you think, I've been walking with the Lord for many years, years and years, and, and I've taken steps of faith, I've pursued righteousness, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting a little further on in years, and maybe it's just time to coast a little bit. Now, I'm not talking spiritual retirement, but I've done a lot of work. And so maybe letting off the gas, shifting into neutral, and just seeing how far I can coast for a while. How far will my momentum take me? The life of Abram should be a great challenge to you if that is your line of thinking. That there is a time for just coasting, backing off, no longer pursuing the Lord, no matter what stage of your faith you are in. Abram, throughout his life, even as an old man, continued pursuing the Lord. Well, as we look at this passage, we're going to really spend probably the bulk of our time in the first three verses of Genesis 12, Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3, looking at the nature of this radical call of God to Abram. We are going to take some time looking at the genealogy. We're going to use that to fill in some of the important details around Abram and his life. But first, we're going to see this radical call of Abram in the first three verses. And so look there with me at the first verse of Genesis 12, and we read that the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I want you to just think on that for a moment. Allow that to settle in. Here is Abram, and he hears the voice of God to go from your country, your kindred, your father's house, everything familiar to you. I want you to leave it. I want you to depart from it. And where are you to go? To the land that I will show you. No coordinates, right? Not even a general direction at this point. Just go to the place that I am going to show you. Now, I said that this is a radical call. This is a radical call that God made. Not only is it a huge move for Abram to go somewhere that the Lord would reveal to him once he was underway, but really the radical nature of the call, and hear this, the radical nature of the call is that it was a radical move by God. That is why it was a radical call. Not so much what Abram was being asked to do, though yes, we could say that was radical, but the fact that God called Abram. That was a radical call. Not so much what Abram was called to do, but God's calling of 
Abram. Now, why do I say that this was a radical call, that this was something radical that God was doing in calling Abram? Well, let's look back to chapter 11 and see a little family history of Abram. We read in chapter 11 and in verse 28 that this family of Abram, his father Terah, his brothers Nahor, or yeah, Nahor and Haran, verse 28, Haran, his brother, died in the presence of his father Terah in the land of his kindred in Ur of the Chaldeans. Ur of the Chaldeans. So that's, that's Abram's hometown. That's where he is from. Ur of the Chaldeans. And you think, so what? Ur of the Chaldeans. It's just an, another place. Ur was the epicenter of moon worship. All right? If you want world-famous pears, where do you go to? The Hood River Valley, right? If you want a cheesesteak, this one's for you, Timothy, where do you go? Philadelphia. All right. Ur was the place that moon worship took place. If you really wanted to devote yourself to the worship of false gods and moon worship, you would go to Ur of the Chaldeans. Now, you can write this down. Joshua chapter 24 and verse 2 tells us that Abram didn't only come from an idolatrous place, Ur of the Chaldeans, but this is what Joshua says to the people gathered there. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Long ago, your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates, Terah, the father of Abraham and of Nahor, and they served other gods. So it's not just that Abram was from Ur, but Abram was really part of Ur. He, he went along with the worship of false gods there in Ur of the Chaldeans. Archaeological excavations in that area have turned up human sacrifices that were present in the royal cemetery. So along with the moon worship, there was even human sacrifice that was going on. This is where Abram was from, and this is what he was brought up in. Are you understanding this? This is who Abram was at this point in his life. In Acts chapter 7, Stephen, when he's evangelizing the Sanhedrin, he says that the God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran and said to him, go out from your land and from your kindred and go into the land that I will show you. So even while Abram was all the way back in Ur of the Chaldeans, God called him. So do you understand something about why I say this is a radical call of God? Not so much radical for what Abram was being called to do, but the very fact that God called him. 
He calls a moon-worshipping idolater from an inbred family. Go back and read it. That's what it is. And he calls him to follow him. And it wasn't after Abram recognized the error of his ways, started seeking God, tried to clean himself up. No, it's while he was still up to his elbows in idolatry that God called him. Even when he was dead in false religion, dead in sin, God called him, called him to himself. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound like your story? Does it sound like my story? Because it is. That's the radical nature of God's call, that he calls us even when we were dead in trespasses and sins. We studied Ephesians recently. And God made us alive together in Christ. The names, the places, those are going to change, but the radical call of Abram is that same radical call that comes to every believer. God doesn't call you because you're good, because he needs you on his team, because you have a lot to offer him. And boy, that's the missing link. No, this is the same call that came to Noah. Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. It was the call to Moses, who murdered an Egyptian and fled into the wilderness, and God called Moses to go into Egypt to lead his people out. The call to Levi, the tax collector, the call to Saul, the zealous persecutor of the church, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Do you remember that from the book of Acts? When he was on his way to Damascus to continue persecuting the church, Jesus stopped him, interrupted him, and called him to follow. While we were enemies... Paul writes in Romans 5, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is God initiating, and this is a radical call. And I want you to know that this radical call is first and foremost a call to God himself. That is always the nature of God's radical call. First and foremost, it is a call to God himself. Abram is called in scripture the friend of God. If you're going to have a reputation, I'd say that's a pretty good one to have to be called the friend of God. You can write these down, you can look them up later. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 7, Abram is called God's friend. In Isaiah chapter 41 and verse 8, I want to read this one for you because this is God speaking. Isaiah 41 verse 8, but you, Israel, my servant Jacob, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend. Wow, for God to speak and to say, Abraham, my friend. 
And James chapter 2, verse 23, James saw this in Scripture. He picked up on this, and he references it again, that Abraham believed God. It was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. And so the radical call is first and foremost a call to God himself. It's not that God just needs someone to do something. Abram, I need a body, and I want you to go. No, first and foremost, this radical call of Abram is a call to God himself. I want relationship with you. I want to know you. God says, I want you to be my friend. How awesome is that? But then secondly, and I'd say consequently, the radical call is a commission to go. The radical call is a commission to go. And that's the the first word of this call. The Lord said to Abram, go. From your country, from your kindred, from your father's house, go. And so along with being a friend of God, Abram was being called to exercise great faith in God. Go. Go from everything familiar and go to a place that I'll show you. Not even going to tell you where it's at yet, but I want you to begin moving. The author of Hebrews picks up on this in chapter 11, that Abraham obeyed. And I think his obedience was, was imperfect, but he obeyed. He went by faith to a land promised to him, living as a pilgrim in tents, while he looked forward to a permanent city whose designer and builder is God. That's what the writer of Hebrews says. Abram was called to go in faith. And if you look at Hebrews chapter 11 and you see just the real estate given to each individual, you'll see that the space given to Abram, to Abraham, was so much more, so much more space given to Abraham and his walking in faith than the other saints of the Old Testament. He was a man who is called to go. And when God calls us, it is a commission to go. As Jesus Before his ascension, after his death, his burial, his resurrection, and he appears to his disciples, and before he ascends back to heaven, what does he do? He commissions his disciples, Matthew chapter 28. And what does he tell them? To go make disciples. Go make disciples. And I want you to understand as well that that doesn't even require you to leave. When Jesus says that, the go is really kind of an on your way, while you are going about life, while you are on your way, whether you're at the grocery store, if you're shuttling kids around to sports events, 
in your workplace, in your neighborhood, as you rub shoulders with people around you, just while you are on your way, make disciples. It's what we're called to do. I want you to see the similarity between God's calling of us and God's calling of Abram. It was radical because Abram wasn't deserving. It was all of grace. It wasn't when Abram cleaned himself up. No, it's when he was still in an idolatrous place participating in false worship that God called him to himself. And it was a call first and foremost to God, into relationship with him, called a friend of God. And then secondly, it was a call to go and to serve God. Now, we see in verse 2, God continues this call of Abram. He says, I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. Him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Do you remember our study of Babel last week? The people and their intention with building this will make bricks We'll burn them thoroughly. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. That's what they wanted. That's what the Tower of Babel was about. It was about glory. It was about prestige. It was not about trying to worship God, but to bring God down and to lift up themselves and exalt themselves. We want to have a name. And God said, this is not going in a good direction. He disperses them. He confuses the language. But did you see In his call to Abram, verse 2, I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will make your name great. So there's nothing wrong with greatness. It's how we understand it. It's how we go about it. It's how we think we can accomplish it. Do we do so by disobeying God's commands? Because that's what Babel was all about. No, the way to true greatness is an obedience to God's commands. Abram, follow me. Walk in faith. Do this. And I am going to make your name great. This is the beginning. This is the start of God's covenant with Abram. And as we go through these chapters, 12 through 25, we're going to see this covenant expanded on further, filled out even more. But what I want you to see with me this morning, in the beginning of this covenant, when God speaks these words to Abram, how one-sided it is. I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. 
I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. God is saying, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I promise. This is God's purpose. And in it, it's not only for Abram, but it's for all the people on the earth. It's for every generation that would follow. How incredible is that? Abram, this is what I'm going to do for you, and this is what I'm going to do through you, so all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. Abram's told that a great nation would come from him. Do you remember what we're told in chapter 11 about his wife, Sarai? Verse 30 says, Sarai was barren. She had no child As if it wasn't enough to say it once, it's layered in there. She was barren. She had no child. Abram, I'm going to make of you a great nation. These things that seem impossible. But God says, I will do this. I will accomplish this. I will bless you, him who dishonors you, I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. As we study through the book of Genesis, if you, if you think about maybe a piece of clothing that you have, and, and as I look at stitches on my shirt, and the thread comes up, and then it goes back down, and it comes up, and it goes back down. And so, as we work our way through the book of Genesis, we see this golden thread appear. It comes up, and we get to see it, and then it goes back down, maybe below the surface for a little while, and then this golden thread comes back up again, and we say, there it is, and it goes back down. What is that golden thread? It's the golden thread of the gospel. It's stitching together the story of redemption. In Abram would all the families of the earth be blessed. That is the golden gospel thread. Because that's what God is purposing to do. That is what God is going to accomplish. It's not that Abram was going to go to this land And he was going to become a farmer, and he was going to make these great agricultural breakthroughs so he could feed everybody, and there would be no more famine or starvation. No. It's not even the establishment of a nation in and of itself. That wasn't going to bring a blessing to all the families of the earth. Abram would be a blessing to all the families of the earth because through him and through the nation that would be formed by him would come the Redeemer, would come the one who would bring salvation for all the families of the earth. This begins back in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, the offspring of the woman who would crush the head of the serpent. And we see this golden thread appear again and again as we work through the book of Genesis. And so this is Abram's call, the radical call of God upon Abram. And then I want you to see with me, as we look at verse 4, we see Abram's obedience. Abram's obedience. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, 
and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. He took Sarai, his wife, Lot, his brother's son, all their possessions they had gathered and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. Moses records this with such simplicity. Abram went as the Lord had told him. God called gave him something to do, and he did it. I've spent time this week scratching my head and trying to put the pieces of this puzzle together with Abram receiving the call and then going in faith. And I'll have to be honest, I don't know exactly how these puzzle pieces fit together. Because as we read Genesis 12, verse 1... This is after his father Terah died and they were all dwelling together in Haran. And the Lord says to Abram, go from your country, your kindred, your father's house. When we read Stephen in Acts chapter 7, we're told that the call came even while he was still in Ur of the Chaldeans. It was in Ur that Abram was initially called. Back in the center of moon worship, and then he goes with his father and some of his family as far as Haran. And then this long layover there before Abram continues on this journey. We don't know for sure how all of this fits together. I, I think that maybe God called Abram when he was in Ur of the Chaldeans initially, and then they went as far as Haran, and then God spoke to him again and said, Abram, go, remember. This is what I'm calling you to do. But what we do know is that it took time for God's call to come to fruition in Abram's life. If it was just one call simply back in Ur of the Chaldeans, and then they went to Haran, and they settled there, and they stayed there, perhaps even up to 60 years before they moved forward. But it took time. Moses spent 40 years in the wilderness before going back to Egypt. Joseph was imprisoned after receiving a vision from God about his place of authority and leadership. David was hiding in caves after God anointed him to be king. Even Paul the Apostle, you can read in Galatians 1, after he was called, after he was saved, he went off to Arabia for some time. So I was thinking about it in my own life, in my family's life. Natalie and I, we knew for years that God was calling us to plant a church, but we didn't know where, and it took time for the details of that to be revealed. But in all of that, God's timing is perfect. In all of that, God's patience is enduring, and I'm so grateful that when we read of the account of Abram, we don't read about God being impatient with him, saying, Abram, do I have to tell you again, go? 
No. Instead, we read in Hebrews 11, Abram was a great man of faith. God called him, and he went, even though it took time. God's timing is perfect. God's patience is enduring. And I'd ask you this morning, is there a call of God in your life that's still germinating, that's still progressing, a call of God in your life that is is not yet accomplished, but you know this is what God is doing? Yourself, don't grow impatient. Don't try to rush And don't think that because there is a season of germination of God's call until it comes to bear fruit, that God is somehow impatient with you either. His timing is perfect. His timing is perfect. Continue to pursue him. Continue to seek him. And God will accomplish his purpose in his time, and in his way for his glory. And that's what we see as we finish up this section of Genesis chapter 12. In verses 7 through 9, we see Abram's worship. As Abram was giving glory to God, and there in verse 7, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there, he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel, pitched his tent with Bethel on the west, Ai on the east, and there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. As Abram moves forward in obedience to God's radical call in his life, Abram grows in closeness Abram grows in relationship with the Lord. Do you see in chapter 12 and verse 1, it says, the Lord said to Abram. These are words that are communicated. The Lord said, go. And now as Abram is journeying on and he hears again in verse 7, the voice of the Lord, but it's even more than just the voice of the Lord. What do we read in verse 7? the Lord appeared to Abram. As Abram walks forward in faith, there's a greater understanding of God. There's a greater revelation of God to Abram. There's a greater closeness, more of a relationship with God. And so Abram is growing It's not just hearing God's voice, the Lord saying, even from some distance, we might imagine, but no, now it's the Lord appearing. As you walk out the life of faith, as you live the life of faith, as you live in obedience, closeness and relationship and intimacy with God grows It comes by obedience, by taking steps of faith as God calls you to take them. And so Abram, now with the Lord appearing to him, he becomes a man who starts building altars. He builds altars to the Lord. We read in these verses of two different altars, two different places that he builds altars in order to worship. 
in Shechem, and now between Bethel and Ai. And he calls upon the name of the Lord. That's what we read there at the end of verse 8. He built an altar and he called upon the name of the Lord. He was a man who became more and more centered upon God and more and more of a worshiper of God. He is a man that is showing growth. He is a man that is showing progression in his faith as he walks in obedience. Abram is a man that is growing. Do you remember what I said as we were opening that I I hope Abram and his life can be an encouragement to every one of us? Abram, what do we read when he left Haran? In verse 4, he was 75 years old when he leaves Haran to go to the land that the Lord told him to go to. But he wasn't putting it into neutral. He wasn't just going to coast. As a 75-year-old man, he's still pursuing. He's still walking by faith. He's still growing in relationship with God. He's now building altars and calling upon the name of the Lord. This is a man who is closer to God every day. No longer a moon-worshiping idolater. He is one who has received the radical call of God. He is one who has responded in faith. He is one growing in relationship with the Lord. And, And if you are mature in your faith, I hope, like Abram, even at an old age, that you will continue to pursue, that you will continue to grow, that you will continue to walk in obedience growing in relationship and intimacy with the Lord. And maybe this morning you come as, as a newer believer, as a, as a Christian, and you say, I want to grow, but it just seems so slow. Remember, God's promise is faithful. He is patient and he is enduring, and he will accomplish. And even though the call of God in Abram's life took some time, he was still the friend of God and a man of great faith. And if you're here this morning as a non-believer, and you say, I I just don't know that God would really want anything to do with me, He called Abram, an idolater, a worshiper of false gods, to leave his false worship, to follow the true God. And so I would invite you today to step in faith, like Abram stepped in faith, just hearing God's call and responding and doing as God has said. Be encouraged, church, By God's work in Abram's life, the time it took, the good fruit that came, because God's call is for good. God's call is for good. It's for our good and for his glory. And so however God is calling you today, the invitation is like Abram to respond to it in faith. Respond in faith to God's good 
call. Would you pray with me again? Father, we thank you for the encouragement that we can receive from a man like Abram. A man, when we begin to know more of his family history, more of his place of origin, more of what he was like before you had called him, I think we all should be encouraged by that, that you have called us and not because we were the right people, not because we were good already, But even when we were given over to idols and to false gods, when we were given up to ourselves, that you called us and you saved us. Father, thank you for your goodness and for your kindness in calling us. And wherever we are, wherever we are today, in relation to the Christian faith, from non-believer to young believer to mature Christian. Lord God, I pray that you would take your word and you would apply it, that we would understand from Abram that there is still more, that there is a pursuit of you, there was a continual growth, that yes, it takes time, but it is steady, it is consistent, and it brings glory to you. And Lord God, we get to know you more and more as we walk in faith, in obedience to your calling. I pray that we would be refreshed by relationship with you, even as Abram grew and as you appeared to him. Lord God, I pray that you would meet us each and every one of us individually, that you would meet us corporately where we are and reveal yourself to us, that we would be caught up in you, that we would be enraptured with you, that we would find our delight and our joy in you, and that walking in obedience to you would not be drudgery, would not seem like any kind of discipline, that it would be our greatest joy, that it would be our greatest delight. By your Holy Spirit, Lord, work these desires within us. Give us a hunger and a thirst for righteousness that we would be pursuing you, that we would respond to you as you call by faith. I pray, Lord God, I ask these things, that you would be favorable toward us, that you would accomplish these things in us and through us. And I can ask these things confidently because I ask in the name of Jesus who lived and who died to accomplish these things for us. So it is in his name that I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Pillar Bible Fellowship. Please email any comments or questions about the sermon to feedback at pillarhoodriver.org.